Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat, and this is Ali Kat bringing you Bampot Pod. No. Bampot Productions Podcast. Yay! But at Bampot Pod on Twitter, though. That's it. Okay, so at Bampot Pod on Twitter. Okay, so. What is the news today, Alistair? In the news today, well, today's a Sunday. So yeah. there are no events happening anywhere in the world on a Sunday. There's lots of things that happen on a Sunday across no, the world. It's called the news. No, on a Sunday, everyone stops and analyses the last six days. Because everyone's analysing it, they've got no time to make new news. Oh, okay. That's a good point. In fact, There's last Sunday, a bakery ran out of cinnamon rolls before midday. And that was actually news in the local paper because nothing else happens on a Sunday. Was this in a really small town? It was here, and we could live anywhere. The town we're in? It could be a city as well. A city wouldn't put that a bakery runs out of rolls before 12 noon on a Sunday as news if it was a city. You're having me on. That's a fair point, but all I'm saying is nobody knows where we live. It could be anywhere. It could be a city or a town or a county. countryside. We could be in a glass container in the middle of nowhere. That could be our lives. It wouldn't be very nice. It's like a goldfish bowl. I'd like that. I'd like to be a goldfish. <sighs> okay. Do you know, I, think... I, I often have these thoughts that make me really depressed and sad. And I think about things that happened in the past. And I think that very rarely is it, is it the events that happened three seconds ago that make me sad. So I think if I was a goldfish, I could only remember the last three seconds. You know, you'd probably be quite happy just being in the present. And you wouldn't be able to think about everything that happened, you know, four seconds ago, never mind, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. That is a very good yeah, it's hard. metaphor. Yeah. So all I'm saying is don't knock the goldfish bowl. I can think well, of worse things. Well, I mean, I wasn't relating it to what you just said there, but oh. it's a very good point, actually. Yes, it is, it is. But I mean, okay, listen, going back to what the news is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nurses will probably go on strike. When? Well, I'm not sure, but they're saying that they're going to have a ballot about it. A ballet? So the unions will then decide, right? A union ballet? Mm-hmm. A ballot. Oh, a ballet. Is that how they pronounce <sighs> I mean, it in I don't France? really know how I feel about that. You know, I mean... Do you think there should be a law that prohibits medical people from going on strike? Because it really would endanger people. Like, if all the nurses just didn't work, even for one day, like, imagine the detriment to society and to ourselves. Yeah. People would, would die. So do you think there should be a law saying that medical staff, not just the nurses... Just go on strike as a rule. I don't think that. No, in fact, I would go as far as to say I support striking nurses and doctors. Why? Well. It's it's legally, I mean. They are workers, so they are entitled to strike like anyone else. And if we value what they do. Which we seem to, when you say things like, oh, imagine the detriment, probably mm-hmm. we should be paying a fairer wage. And 
if they have to withhold their services for a short time to get that to show how important it is then yeah i say pay them the the higher wage um i think it's a right to strike and they very rarely do it but particularly when it comes to kind of emergency services they're normally very careful about how they do it they make sure that it impacts the least that it can on on kind of patients they you know people do still care about that you think of when the fire um the fire brigade went on strike they've done it a few times the there's normally contingencies brought in so the army kind of does it and um but what contingencies could they have for medical staff so they'll never say no one can work. You like you won't have every nurse just walking out one day. So they how will do they keep... decide the ones that work and the ones that don't? Is my point because I'm, so you're saying that at least in the UK it couldn't be that all the nurses. I don't know how it's done, and I so don't... how would they decide who actually remains in a hospital and say who doesn't, or who remains in a GP practice and who doesn't? I don't know, but probably GPs practices will be the first to go on strike It'll, you know because those are the ones where it's not emergency care um okay that's a fair point but what about in a hospital especially seeing the accident and emergency bit well once so again accident and emergency will probably be pretty much close to fully staffed as will things like icus high dependency wards they'll probably mm. be the elective surgeries day surgeries things like that that will be the first to to go out and the other thing is that'll be done i think with uh with negotiation with um you know hospital managers staffing managers so that they can they can figure out what they're going to need to to kind of keep that going um but the other thing is it's it's easy to see how striking could be could adversely affect customers however there is the other side where striking actually customers you can see it's a very visible thing and you can see how striking nurses will adversely affect patients however the alternative as especially well especially with care absolutely yeah because the nursing staff tends to do most of the care the doctors are the med- medical law mm-hmm. um but care is really important like someone being maintained in a hygienic way yeah being cleaned rolled like that's like really important so so that's not nursing though normally that's normally that no normal yes it is that's oh. definitely nursing okay. like 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 the care part is definitely nursing caring is but the yes. the normally the cleaning and the rolling of people in beds is done by um i can't remember what porters i think come in to do that work normally N- not porters, Ali. No. Um. What is it then? There's the. A... Wait. Are you talking about healthcare assistants? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. But it's a combination then of the nurses huh? and the healthcare lot that would do that. It wouldn't just be the healthcare. No, like I'm sure because remember. No, it's not just. But when you mm-hmm. get into, so some wards once again the higher dependency the patient is mm-hmm. the more qualified the staff caring for them so. By the time you get, as you were about to say, ICU, it's only nursing staff. There are no like auxiliary staff there doing the work. But when you're on a normal oh, ward, right on the, wards, the yeah. nurses very rarely do that kind of cleaning stuff. There's normally teams come around at a certain time every day and no, um, turn the patients and clean them. do the cleaning though? They can do, yeah, I'm they, sure. But they it's like do do the cleaning not... in wards of the people because I've seen this. Yeah, okay. I believe so you, yeah. the nursing staff do do that. 
And you need to bear in mind that with bodily functions, it can't necessarily be timed. Mm-hmm. So kind of the healthcare assistants coming in at a set time wouldn't necessarily yeah. work. So I think the nursing staff would do because I've actually seen it happen before. Okay, I'm sure. So I think on the wards. So you're correct though with the ICU patients. It is more qualified. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there wouldn't be maybe healthcare assistance. Yeah. It would. It would probably be more the nursing lot. Um, on wards where maybe the people are less ill, you're right, there would be healthcare assistants then or healthcare workers that would come in and do it. So you're saying it's possible that nurses on wards where people aren't as sick would, would then strike, that would then be taken over by healthcare people? No, uh, not necessarily. I'm not entirely sure. Like, they're not... No one is going to do nursing work if they're not qualified to do it. So auxiliary staff, I would imagine, are not qualified to, say, administer medication. However... Um, so who are the nurses that would actually, like, go on strike then? There will be... I I suspect the way... It's, but wait, let me finish. Sorry, okay, I was going to sorry. say something before there. It's the... You can see how it would affect patient outcomes mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they strike. But the point I was going to make is that... striking often benefits patients in the long run so yeah maybe if they strike for a week you're going to find that outcomes are worse for people that need care during Mm. that time however if normal a lot of the time striking workers are actually defending um uh the service as it as it stands Mm -hmm. um you see this in um, rail strikes a lot. A lot of people are very aware of the disruption that rail strikes cause to their daily travel, but what they're less aware of are what the demands are of the strikers. So sometimes it's, a lot of the time it is over wages and salary, but a lot of the time it's also over safety issues. So the fact that you need to have minimum number of staff on trains, um, Working hours, so they'll say, we don't want to work more than this many hours. And normally that's a safety thing. You don't want people too tired. Um, and it actually makes the rail travel safer for passengers overall. The fact that, you know, they're not just trying to run the cheapest possible service, but are actually kind of making sure it's a quality service. Um, when it comes to medical staff wanting one more money, which is a good thing, you don't want your best staff going on to other jobs where they can get more in the private sector you want people to be able to you know the best people to be able to work in the public sector and um, do well there but you also don't want things like the hours to be so long that it detrimentally affects you know patients you want there to be enough staff on at any time so that everyone gets the care that they need Um, I do get you need to run things efficiently you need more efficiency over time I think that can be done but and I do think that unions and workers can often be a hindrance to that. Quite often, they'll be very against changes in a lot of ways, in a knee-jerk way, um, normally when they're bringing technology and whatnot in. But overall, I'd say that striking is probably a force for good. I think it makes the public services better in the long run, I'd say overall. And um, i say while I think we'll be able to look at patient outcomes and patient care during the strikes and agree that it's not good, I actually think long run it is better that they are striking for patient care overall. So if, you view this as a positive then? It won't be a positive in the moment, 
but in the long run, yeah, I think if if the NHS staff get the demands that they that they're asking for, I think the NHS which is higher pay. Uh huh. I I don't know the exact demands that they put down. I'm yeah, sh- higher pay. I'm sure there'll be and an more issue. manageable working hours. I was going to say I think working hours will be a part of it as well. I suspect that if they get their demands for it, you'd actually see the NHS has better outcomes over the say the next ten or twenty years <sighs> than you would without it. See, I'm I'm just not not convinced. Mm. Uh, I'm just. What you're saying is totally solid. But until there's certain fundamental points that people look at when it comes to national health service in general, like why are the nurses even wanting to strike in the first place? They want higher pay that's in keeping with inflation. Mm-hmm. Totally valid. Mm-hmm. Everyone does, right? You, me, the next lot of people. Yeah, totally valid. The working hours are totally different, though, because that's, to be honest with you, linked to staff shortages. And that isn't something for years now the National Health Service seems to be able Mm -hmm. to resolve. It's like, so then you think to yourself, okay, why would there be for years now consistently um, not enough staff in the National Health Service, like not enough people that are nursing? Could it be because there's not enough people that are enrolling in the first place? Could it be that there's enough enrolling, say, in a country like Scotland, but then many drop out when they're on their course? Sure. Could it be that a lot of them qualify and they leave the country and they head to places like Australia or New Zealand or Canada? Could it be that they decide after a couple of years when they work for the National Health Service, I don't want it, I don't like it, and then they just leave? Um, and they maybe go private or they try another role, role mm. entirely. This seems to be... So the striking would only work long-term if the issues are addressed. Yeah. And they keep wanting better working hours. But the thing is, though, the reason why the people that the nurses are work so hard on the National Health Service is because there's not enough of them. And then you need to look at why. So why like does a system like the National Health Service not retain its staff why do you think so because i don't know i mean the reasons that i give are perfectly plausible they're very practical and i'm sure that some of them are correct but until that's looked at is the issue retention all they want but i don't think it's going to resolve it because there's not enough staff is the issue retention though or is it not enough people coming in in the first place well that's the thing though see i don't know because the thing is, though, maybe there's a lot of girls. Well, I mean, I shouldn't just say girls. It's also guys. So maybe yeah, there's guys. a lot of people. Well, that's not entirely always true. Well, and I'm going to be all about equality and say people. Maybe there are many um, guys and dolls. <gasps> maybe there are many very binary of you people mm-hmm. that enter into the nursing course but think about the amount they drop out or the amount that if they do get the qualification work for a couple of years and they leave the country or they change the rules entirely yeah. and they go into something that's maybe more nine to five so that's linked to nursing but not quite nursing like care say yeah um uh, like it so until those kind of underlying issues are addressed like to me there's always going to be a need for a strike but will it actually change things in the long run because, like, why are there... So you made the point is, is there not enough people enrolling? 
or is the National Health Service not able to retain staff or is there not enough that go in the first yeah. place? I don't actually know because I know for a fact that if you qualify as a nurse in another country, it's actually quite difficult and you have to jump through a lot of hoops in the UK to then to then go through all the processes here to but, be able to apply for role. So I think you're probably right. I think it's a combination of both. But nursing... I think um, they can't retain staff, but there's also maybe not, not enough in the first place. And I think a lot of people just leave. They just leave the country and they leave the role. Yeah. Like, I mean, that to me... Because the UK doesn't operate the same as North Korea. Where it's like, if the government says that you work in this job till you die... You work in that job till the day you die. It's a democracy. People, to a certain extent, I mean, I know obviously there's a lot of other factors. You know, if you have a family, um, if you need money, yeah, of course. But this is a, the DPRK. It's not like the Kims go, this lot of people will work in this hospital for the rest of their lives. This lot of people will be on the farm. This lot, I mean, do you know? Yeah, so I think a lot... I, I think a lot of people just don't remain with the National Health Service. But if they don't remain with it, then you have to think, are they thinking solely there's greener pastures or is it because the job really sucked in the first place? I can't really figure that out. Or is it because increasingly across the decades, people tend to leave the roles and like jobs and they go through a lot more jobs when they're younger? Because when my mother left school at 15, she went straight into a job. Mm. She was with that job until she got married and she left the country. But then, like, the pastures were not as green and people tended to stick more with what they knew and maybe were more local and they didn't leave as much. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. So I think until those issues are addressed, there's always going to be a problem. Um, and I don't know how to fix it. Like, I mean, I don't know how that could ever be. I mean, like, if you got an idea... Um, not particularly. I mean, I guess the first thing to do would be to look at what, you know, they're demanding at the union level. Better working hours and more pay. I mean, that will Which go... is totally valid. I would agree with that. You're right. I think there are underlying issues, but that will go some of the way to helping it. You know, if you have more mm -hmm. pay relatively, fewer people are going to find opportunities elsewhere that they want. You're going to yeah. find some people will try harder to get, like... You know, if your if your salary isn't that much higher than what you would get, say, um, let's say you're training to be a nurse and it's really hard work and you're not enjoying the studying, and you kind of work out that your pay isn't going to be that much more than you could get working in a supermarket or doing a minimum wage mm -hmm. job, or even that another type of work that is equally skilled and equally hard hard work pays more, you're more likely to drop out and go do the other thing. I think that if the working hours are attractive and the pay is more attractive, then more people will, yeah, probably stick with it. I realise it won't solve all the structural issues you're talking about, but it'll go some way to get there. Um, I think the other thing is that I genuinely think healthcare needs more technology in it at the moment i know a lot of medical Tech. professionals seem quite against this in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and the implementation can create some really weird um uh, 
weird issues that we haven't had to deal with before. But I think the efficiency of things like, you know, if people are being tested more often for things, if testing is an easier process, mm-hmm. if, say, things like smartwatches, gear can keep a better track of your health. Um, we maybe catch things earlier and we don't need such intense care. I think things like that can go a long way. Um, I know that a number of doctor surgeries now offer, um, or actually a number of health boards in the UK actually hire like companies that provide digital GPs. So they don't actually have a practice, but what you have is an app you can go through to to get in touch with it so your gp's practice can be a remote thing like on the internet and you talk to a gp at any time um and i've seen a few of those where you can actually pay extra to see someone so you can choose when you log into the app if you want to pay like the 40 quid and go private for that session or if you want to book in as you would on the nhs Um, and if they need to see you they'll then just redirect you to a, a practice somewhere i think there's a lot of opportunities to use technology to make this more efficient um but also, I think it's, I do think it, it's probably quite good at the moment, the work. Like, I think the outcomes are very good for patients. You know, living standards are higher than they've ever been at any point in history. They've gone back a little bit because of um, the 2008 financial crisis and then mm-hmm. again because of COVID. But we're still, like, People are living a very long time, very high quality of life, a lot of resources available. And I think that we're probably judging this based on it decreasing over the last, say, decade or stagnating rather than, I think, enjoying the fact that we're at quite a high pinnacle at the moment that we haven't been in the in the past. If I had to talk about job satisfaction, I would say... This is an issue I see in the public sector a lot where the public sector has to deal with all of society's ills in a way that they've never had before. And I think that adds a hell of a lot of stress. Like public sector are always being given all of society's problems to deal with. And it makes, I think, for a very stressful job. I I know family members that work in education and they're expected to be, you know, to teach kids things that they reasonably should be getting taught by their parents, like how to brush their teeth, how to hold a pencil, like things that as, you know, as children, you should really be learning at home before you get to school. Um, and all of these issues with like kind of the young generation are being blamed on, say, you know, teachers, teaching staff and the way education works for them. You have, I know in policing as well, police often get, you know, they're dealing with some of the worst social conditions in our society and yet they're blamed when things kind of go wrong and if they're too heavy-handed or if they don't intervene quick enough and something goes wrong. I I remember a case in Scotland a few years ago when a person with um, severe mental health problems was kicking off in a store and he started smashing stuff and he was arrested in a very heavy-handed way forced to wait in a waiting cell for a long time before receiving care and the police got absolutely lambasted for it but they're not mental health professionals they're police officers their job is to protect people not to you know be a first port of call for mental health services it's like i think every time there's a case like that there's an extra level gets added onto the job well now you need to be aware of this 
now you need specialist training in this. And now, like, rather than just being able to focus on being the best medical staff you can, I wonder if part of the issue is that, you know, they have to deal with all of the other sort of demands society puts on these professions. I guess, I don't think that's a bad thing either, but I guess the point I'm making is that 40 years ago, people going into nursing didn't really have to have considerations of race relations or different sexualities or stuff. It was very, you know, let's just provide medical care and that'll be it. And there was no other questions added on. Now you're being judged by so many different metrics all the time. And I can imagine that being a very stressful thing. It's my two cents on it. Oh, right. Okay, well, God, that's really quite a like if there's let's say there's a difference kind of in summary. yeah outcomes between men and women in a certain mm-hmm. area let's say men recover better from um i don't know a condition let's say depression than mm-hmm. women do i don't think that's actually true but let's say that mm-hmm. does is the case i can imagine health staff you know due to public pressure being given a new metric where they need to suddenly make sure women are you know but having better outcomes than men in that. It's like, that might not be possible. Like, I think men tend to have worse cardiovascular health than women overall. Mm-hmm. And like maybe the demand is, oh, well, now you need to make sure men have the same outcomes as women. It's like, actually, that might not be possible. There could just be genetic differences. True. I know that black men tend to have more heart attacks than most other groups of people it's partly because they have larger hearts relative to their body size it's like you know the outcomes of heart attacks it might not be possible to close that gap it's a genetic difference but you can then imagine someone getting a lot of shit for you know um say sexist or racist care and might not be what they signed up for all of these things aren't important to consider, but it's it's a far more complex job than it ever was. My grandmother was a nurse um, in the fifties and the six no in the sixties I mm-hmm. think, and I think from what she said, you know the the qualifications you needed to be a nurse back then were considerably less. Like the level of training was lower than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd say that, you know, doctors back then probably had the same level of training as nurses do today. Mm-hmm. I'd say that nurses back then probably had the same level of training as auxiliary staff today. It's probably a wee bit differently, higher than that, but I think it's more comparable to those roles than it was. So are you saying that it's changed and it's basically become harder as yeah. the decades have rolled on? Yeah, and it's a more So you're complex... required to not just know yeah. this, you're required yeah. to know this and on top yeah. of that... And more specialised as well. And I think that quite often back in the day, you'd have just shrugged and gone, yeah, they're going to die. That's it. Cool. Like well, it... also, maybe there was less accountability Exactly, well. yeah. Because with more accountability comes more pressure. And yep. the thing is, though, some more people paperwork. hack that and some yeah. people don't. And I think maybe... And I think if you start off and you can hack it and say if you are quite tough, after a while you probably become very worn down, to be yeah. honest. I'd agree. So, yeah, I th- yeah. So I, th- I think that's a very kind of in-depth, very concise explanation or at least summary. I mean, okay, this is what I think. If I could wave a magic wand and solve 
the National Health Service problems, then I would. But I can't. <laughs> Why are you smiling like that at me? Because oh, I heard a sound that sounds like a burp. What you're talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. My imagination. And um. Well, you've made me lose track now. Now, like I was saying, if I could wave a magic wand, and solve all the national health service problems, then I would. But I can't. And no one can. So do you support them striking or not? So, well, that's so definitive. It's such yeah. a definitive question. I don't know if I can give such a definitive answer. Okay, I mean... Okay, let me ask it this okay, way. Wait, 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 if, wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. Let me ask it this way. Mm-hmm. Let's say they get balloted. Okay. And they vote to strike. And then they get to bring it to you. And you have to decide whether the strike goes ahead. And you can base it on all the information. You have to make your decision based on the public interest, the nurse's interest. But you can only answer yes or no. So they voted to strike. They will do it. Now you get you're the final veto. Do you say yes or no to that? Just just now, based on what you know. Yes or maybe just. Oh God. Okay. I guess I would say yes. You'd allow them to strike. Yeah. Cool. But the problem is though, after I make that decision, they do strike. I would probably feel bad because I know that it would affect patient care. No, you got paid twelve million to make that one high level choice. You get to go retire on an island now. Oh well, then I wouldn't bother because I would be sitting pretty. Yeah, so you'd say yes and not think twice. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, that's a very hypothetical question. Which oh, it is. Yeah. To me, but okay, so that would be my hypothetical answer. <laughs> if anyone wants to pay Catherine, any nursing unions want to pay Catherine twelve million to veto the. To get a veto vote, then we'll take it. Terrible. We'll take it. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> okay. What's nice. coming up to half an hour? All right. Bye well, bye from Cat. Bye from Alistair. Bye from Ali Cat at Bampot Productions Podcast. Check us out at Bampot Pod on Twitter. Bampot Pod. Bye. Bye. bye.